Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. They are now ready to begin their attack on Kiev. Significant concern. We intend to use chemical weapons. This is outright terror from experienced terrorists. Gas prices. The increase in gas prices is all Putin's fault. Just a flat-out lie. Remove the hostile energy policies. That's when it's going to go down. Major League Baseball's back, and we're going to play 162 games. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views for a Friday. The uh, liberals keep doubling down and uh, doing things that will just hurt them. Another example, this is happening in Maryland and Virginia, now, Virginia, it looks like, okay, maybe they're coming to their senses with uh, the new governor up there. Maryland, which is the state I grew up in as a kid, uh, r- right up there next to Massachusetts, it's being idiotic and liberal. And, of course, you've got a lot of overflow from Washington, D.C. A new set of bills under consideration in the Maryland House and Senate are raising eyebrows for what would change in law concerning mothers who abandon their newborns to die either because they no longer want the child or able to care for the baby. Maryland Senate Bill 669 and House Bill 626, dubbed the Pregnant Persons Freedom Act of 2022, not only erase women by adopting the left's gender-confused newspeak that crazily assumes men can get pregnant, but as the American Center for Law and Justice explained in its analysis of the legislation. The bill also proposes a revision of the fetal murder manslaughter statute that would serve to handcuff the investigation of infant deaths under unrelated to abortion. In other words, this bill would effectively legalize infanticide. The exact language of the bill states, quote, this section may not be construed to authorize any form of investigation or penalty for a person experiencing a prenatal death related to a failure to act. In other words, a baby born alive and well could be abandoned and left to starve or freeze to death, and nothing could be done to punish those who participated in that death. The bill also includes a section that would allow a person to bring a cause of action for damages if the person was subject to an unlawful arrest or criminal investigation for a violation of this section as a result, experiencing a prenatal death. So in other words, not only would nothing be done to the mom if they abandoned the baby, but uh, that person, that mom could turn around and sue for damages if they were unlawfully arrested for abandoning the child. That's how crazy this has gotten. Remember Ralph Northam back in 2019? He was on News Radio WTOP, and uh, he basically came out, I'm paraphrasing here, but in this interview, he was talking about the fact, well, you know, if the child is born... He's on the birthing table or she's on the birthing table. The the baby's on the birthing table. It would be up to the mom and the doctor to decide whether or not that child would live or die at that point. Infanticide. And there was a, a, a brief shock there, but it didn't last too long. Guess what? 
Democrat lawmakers earlier this week defeated a bill that, if enacted, would require medical professionals to provide health care to babies who survive abortion procedures. It would have made it a felony if they didn't. I mean, this happens. Babies are thinking they're aborted. I mean, granted, abortion is not supposed to happen. If you go back to the original Roe v. Wade, it's not supposed to happen in the second and third trimester, but it does. So if a baby is born alive when it was supposed to be aborted and killed, but is born alive, this bill would say, Doc, okay, even though you had one team come in trying to kill the baby, the baby's born alive, so now you have another team come in and you've got to save the baby. Now, if you remember back in 2002, George W. Bush signed the Born Alive Infants Protection Act, which granted legal rights to children born regardless of what stage of development. Well, it seems to me that that alone would say, okay, if a human being is born and they're alive, they have all the rights that any other human would have. So why do we need to spell it out any further that the child needs to be saved, the child needs to be protected? You know, there, were, there were a lot of conservatives early on when Roe v. Wade was first passed that said, okay, you, you pass this and you're on a slippery slope. Next is infanticide and euthanasia. What's well, happening? I mean, I, granted, it's taken 50 years, but now we see this happening. We see the state of Maryland literally, if the mom after the baby is born wants to abandon the child, now, if they proactively killed the child, would that be okay too? I mean, this is actually being considered in the state house. There's, there's a, a House bill and a Senate bill in the state of Maryland. And in the state of Virginia, this this bill that would, uh, House Bill 304, the Democrats killed it. They don't want to protect any children that are born alive. It's all about the children. That's what the liberals always tell us. It's all about the children. You know, it's interesting. The um, I mentioned this yesterday when I was talking to Keith Kidwell. There was a piece by Russell Vault in World Magazine entitled Cultural Fights Are Political Opportunities. And in this piece, he just talks about the fact that so many of these issues, these social issues, such as the sanctity of life is a good example, but education issues, we saw that come up in Glenn Youngkin's election in Virginia, so many of these issues that Republicans wouldn't promote, but they would tolerate. Democrats worked against. Transgenderism is another. Homosexual marriage, gay marriage is another. So that, those were issues that, uh, and when I ran for the state Senate back in 96, you know, I was told, now, now just don't touch just don't touch the abortion issue. Just don't bring it up. I said, why? And I was proud to be pro-life. And I thought, listen, this is who I am. You like me or hate me. Well, I didn't get elected, so I guess they didn't, they didn't agree entirely with me. But, uh, but we did all right. But this, this piece by Russell Vault is basically saying, you know, things have changed. 
And and what's interesting is we are now seeing people that are being elected by saying, listen, I am for basic moralities. I am for traditional marriages. I am pro-life. I, I am not for telling children in the uh, kindergarten through the, the third grade. I, I don't think it's right to begin to uh, basically groom them, sexually groom them by t- talking about transgenderism and homosexuality and, and their sexual identity. And by the way, um, down in the state of Florida, there was a bill that has has passed, and, and uh, the governor, DeSantis, is going to sign it that says that very thing. It was – now, the, the liberals, the, the Democrats, have framed this bill as the uh, don't-say-gay bill. They're going around saying, oh, th- this is this is Nazi-like because the Republicans are shutting down the discussion concerning transgenderism. All the bill says is, listen, we're not going to have public education teaching kindergarten through the third graders about anything sexual, including transgenderism and homosexuality and, and, and anything sexual. And the libs are going nuts. Walt Disney has got to be rolling over in his grave. There was a story out today talking about the fact that the head of Walt Disney, I'm trying to find the, yeah. um, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis received a phone call from Bob Chapek, the CEO of Disney. Chapik asked DeSantis to veto the Parental Rights and Education Bill, which bars teachers from instructing children under the age of eight about sex, anything to do with sex. Quote, classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through the third grade in a manner that's not age appropriate um, for students in accordance with state standards, the bill states. DeSantis took the call from Chapik and then firmly stood his ground in support of the legislation. Quote, here's what I can tell you. In the state of Florida, we're not going to allow them to inject transgenderism into kindergarten. First graders should have, uh, first graders should not have woke gender ideology imposed on the curriculum, and that's what we're standing for because we're standing for the kids and we're standing for the parents. Now, Disney is the largest corporation in the state of Florida, but DeSantis didn't budge. I, I mean, again, Walt Disney's got to be rolling over in his grave. I mean, this is this is the the guy that you know it was all about apple pie and motherhood and everything that is quaint, and it was all about the kids in, in a healthy manner, maybe over the top, some would say. But now you've got the head of Walt Disney saying, "No, no, 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 no. We 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 don't need this bill. We need why." Why would you need to be teaching? And, um, you know, I, I would say that it doesn't belong in the public school system at any grade. Now, I understand when you get to high school, okay, you're gonna, you might have some biology classes that touch upon this. But, you know, anything out of this is the male body and this is the female body and this is how the two reproduce. But when you get anything beyond that, that needs to be very, very carefully handled. Anything beyond that has no place at any grade. But 
kindergarten through the third grade and these people are objecting to it? you got to be kidding me. But, you know, the good news, circling back to the story by Russ Volt, the good news is we're seeing more and more people that have this conservative approach, I would even say biblical approach, to life, a biblical worldview. You're seeing more and more of them run for office, and they're being elected to office. There is a, another article out today that um, one of the most powerful pro-life organizations in the country, the Susan B. Anthony organization, their president, who's been on our program before, Marjorie Danzenvelder, she um, was doing an interview with the Daily Wire. They are going to be spending, they've got in their coffers $72 million they're going to be spending in this 2022 election cycle. So it's a pretty good amount of money that they're going to be spending to elect pro-life candidates. Uh, Marjorie Danzenfelser is basically saying at, that this is, this is going to be a hot issue, this go-round. It's come around full circle. Back in the late 60s, early 70s, and of course, Roe v. Wade was passed in, what, 73? It was a controversial issue. But over the last 50 years, for most of that time, the pro-life issue, you know, it's abortion was embraced. And if you were anti-abortion, the, the, the left had successfully sold the argument that you were anti-woman if you were anti-abortion, which is not true. You know, you're anti-health care for women. Not true. But according to Marjorie Danzenfelser, that has begun to turn. Interestingly, polling has found that 56% of independent voters and 27% of Democrat voters were less likely to vote for Senator Mark Kelly of Arizona after being told that he believes taxpayers should fund abortions up to birth. Now, Mark Kelly apparently thinks that that's a good thing. The majority of Arizona voters that were polled after they learned that didn't think it was a good thing. And more than half, 59% of Arizona voters, believe that the state should limit abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. I mean, that is basically the crux of the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Healthcare Organization that the Supreme Court heard oral arguments for which they'll be releasing their decision on that sometime this spring. So basically what Marjorie Danzenfelser is saying and political advisors, Democrat political advisors are telling their clients, don't touch the abortion issue. Now, this is really interesting because, again, 20, 30 years ago, the Republicans were told by their advisors, don't touch the abortion issue. When they were coming out and saying, I'm pro-life, they were saying, no, don't say that. Just, just avoid the subject. Don't say it. When I ran, again, when I ran for the state senate, there were a lot of people say, don't bring it up. Avoid the issue. It's toxic. It's the third rail. Well, guess what? Now, the Democrat 
advisors to Democrat politicians, they're telling the Democrats, don't bring it up. You're pro-abortion. The Republicans were pro-life. You're a pro-abortion. Don't bring it up. It's toxic. I say all that to say that to, to turn this ship around is very slow and cumbersome. But perhaps we're beginning to see that. Perhaps we're beginning to see some common sense. And, you know, I, I would say, again, if there's a, if there's a silver lining in, uh, in, in, in the shutdown of COVID, because I think this is when it started, when, when kids started taking their classes via Zoom and parents began to see what was the what was being propagated to the kids from the teachers via Zoom? And I, look, I, I understand that the majority of the teachers out there are are, are good and fine, and, and they're doing their job well. I understand that, but the curriculum from the top, pointing to social justice, pointing to critical race theory, pointing to transgenderism—that stuff that's coming in—the parents have said, "Wait a minute, what's going on?" They have awakened. They've gone to the school board meetings. They've realized that, wait a minute, we've been lied to all this time. And the narrative is beginning to change. That plus the fact that you have a lot of individuals that have just said, you know what, I am now going to get involved. So I'm, I'm beginning to see, and I hope, uh, I, I, I don't want it to stop, that this is, this is just the beginning of the, of the turnaround, if there is a turnaround. But we need to keep it going. We need to. We need more and more good people to run for office. I mean, j- just you know, some of the books that were out there that we've now seen, and and then the pushback. There's another story up in I think it was in Fairfax, Virginia. They have a school for the gifted up there, and there were, uh, according to the school board, there were too many Asian children that were making it into the gifted program. And so the school, and, and now the, to get into the gifted program up there was strictly judged on academics. It had nothing to do with gender. It had nothing to do with race. It had nothing to do with religion. It was strictly, what is, what is your grade point average? And the cream of the crop got into this school for the gifted. The school board up there didn't like that. They decided that, uh, nah, it's not fair. We need, to, we need to cut down on the number of Asian-American children in there. We need, to, we need to have more Hispanic kids. We need to have more black kids. And, you know, just we need to have four. It was an anti, it was a racist decision against Asian-American children. Well, just last night, Asian-Americans basically took over the, the uh, school board meeting because these parents were angry that the school board would do this you know, in the name of equity. And they were calling the school board racist. The, the school board had to flee for the law. I mean, I don't think they were in danger of actually being harmed physically. But boy, they got out of there like quick. Because the parents allowed their voices to be heard. Those kind of things are good. And I think another thing that contributed to this is when Americans saw the defunding of police, they said, you got to be kidding me. When they saw the cities being burned to the ground and politicians acting as if that's okay, they got, you got to be kidding me. 
And and again, I you know when we're we're seeing Joe Biden's terrible presidency, inflation, the Afghanistan departure, and, and now we're seeing this unbelievable indecision on the MiG jets over in Ukraine. We're seeing the vice president literally clueless. Oh my gosh, can you imagine? Can you imagine if something happens? I mean. I hope Joe survives the next three years because if she were to be the president, I, I would rather have a cognitively impaired Joe Biden in the White House than Kamala Harris. She is clueless. We've got to take a time out. Lots more to talk about. Stay with us. More news and views for a Friday right after this. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Taking a quick look at your weather forecast. Tonight's showers. Thunderstorm is also possible. Low around 56. Chance of rain tonight, 80%. Tomorrow, Saturday, showers and uh, possibly a thunderstorm. Most of that will come uh, during the daytime hours, as we get into the evening, it'll begin to wane off. But a chance of rain tomorrow, again, 80% rainfall amounts between a half and three quarters of an inch possible. And they're talking about some of these uh, thunderstorms tomorrow could be uh, quite gusty and high winds. So uh, just beware of that. Tomorrow night, mostly clear, cold, a low around 23, 24. Sunday, sunny with a high around 47. Sunday night, clear with a low around 33. So not quite done with uh, winter's bite, but uh, by the time we get into next week, it'll start to to warm up again. And uh, spring is here. Baseball's around the corner. Now, Major League Baseball, I could care less. Little League, I'm looking forward to. So talking uh, before the break about how abortion and so much of what the Democrats talking points while they thought they were really healthy and good and positive for their political careers. Um, well, Politico, for example, reported back in December that abortion, for example, is not a winning issue for Democrats and some strategists, according to Politico, are advising their clients don't discuss abortion at all. So after the Democrats voted for their omnibus budget, they got into buses, drove up to Philadelphia, and uh, told you their entertainment was a uh, some drag queen. I can't remember what her name was. Some drag queen gets up. But the drag queen thinks Joe Biden's an idiot, and this is who they hired to uh, entertain congressional Democrats in Philadelphia at the retreat. But the Democrats don't get it. They are so out of touch with the American people, they don't get it. When it comes to predictions about these upcoming November midterms, Biden hasn't gotten anything. He's delusional. This is evidenced by the remarks he made Thursday night at the DNC winter meeting as in the Hill, uh, the president not only warned Democrats about the highly 
likely outcome of Republicans taking control of Congress. But so he knows now, I mean, historically, the president to gain houses in to gain seats in the House and the Senate in the first midterm of his presidency, historically, it, it rarely happens. But for the, for the Democrats, this could be a major shellacking. But what does Biden tell them? He tells them, just keep doing what you're doing. Biden encouraged Democrats to use the same work ethic, enthusiasm, and energy that they had in the 2020 elections. Well, guess what? They lost a significant number of seats in the 2020 election in the House. And, but you'll keep doing what you're doing. If we don't do that, we don't do that, it's going to be sad, a sad two years. Think about Republicans if they controlled the Congress these last two years, the president said to members. He praised Democrats' record and told them to use it when campaigning for the midterms. Yes, please do. Please do. Get out there and tell us how you want to defund the police, how you want to make sure that women's health care is all about killing babies. Please continue to do that. Please continue to tell us how burning down cities is a good idea. Please tell us how it's important to make sure that kids that are minors have access to perverse pornography in their public classrooms. Please continue to tell parents how they have no place to to say anything about their child's education. Please do that because if you do that, that will assure Republicans of winning big time. Quote, I believe we have a record to be incredibly proud of, a message that resonates. Build a better America. Now we have to do the work, Biden says. Now we have to do it. We have to sell it with confidence, clarity, conviction, and repetition. (laughs) Yeah, get out there and brag about the job that Joe did getting out of Afghanistan. That'd be really good, yeah. While the Russians are invading Ukraine, you get out there and brag about the fact that the Democrat agenda— is more concerned with making sure that the transgender is comfortable in our military than military preparedness. See how the American people think about that. Eh, go ahead and sell that. That's uh, yeah, a lot of conviction. Go out and sell that. Wow. Among what Biden considers to be a success includes his handling of the Ukraine. Polls indicate that a majority, 62% in one Harvard Caps-Harris poll, think Putin would not have invaded Ukraine if Trump was president. Further, 59% believe Putin made such moves because they saw the weakness. He saw the weakness in Biden. Earlier this week, Bond, uh, Paul Bond for Newsweek highlighted that a Harris X poll shared exclusively with the outlet that showed 58% of respondents say Biden's policies are more to blame about the Russian invasion of Ukraine. As long as Democrats push Biden's failed agenda, they can expect to keep on losing. Yep, they will, too. Poll after poll shows the American people are not fond of this administration. 538 last week, uh, Biden has a 42.5% approval rating, 51.6% disapproval. Data from Real Clear Politics, um, 42.3% approval, 51.6% disapproval. Uh, RCP from uh, earlier in the month, 29.7% say the country is going in the right direction. 62.6% say the wrong direction. But Joe, hey, I hope they listen to you, Joe. I hope they get out there and just brag about all the wonderful things they've done. 
of Americans think you're going in the wrong direction. But you get out there and brag about it, Joe. Interestingly, you know, we've got this race in the uh, first congressional district. And the two key players, Erica Smith and Don Davis, are running as Democrats. Now, there's more Democrats running than just those two. But those are the two key players. And uh, this was Butterfield's old seat. And a lot of speculation that if Butterfield comes out and endorses one of these two, they will probably uh, win the primary. And this is a minority-majority district, so chances are fairly likely that whoever wins this uh, primary uh, on the Democrat side would win the general election. And yet, a story out of the News and Observer today is talking about the fact that the, the big argument is going to be who can run further to the left on the issue of abortion. Don Davis actually has said, because some of his some of his votes in the past have been pro-life. But yet he is coming out now and saying, well, listen, if we need to get up to Congress and vote to codify Roe v. Wade, I'll absolutely do that. And Erica Smith is bragging about her pro-abortion credentials. Now, I understand that you know they've got a different, politically speaking, if they want to have a victory, perhaps they have a different set of rules being in this minority-majority district. But um, they're, they're arguing over who will be a better representative for killing babies. Can't make it up. General Assembly up in Virginia has successfully passed a series of bills this week that would prohibit state and local election officials from accepting certain gifts and funding from private individuals or non-governmental entities that would impact how elections are conducted within the Commonwealth. Passed by both the State House of Delegates and the Senate, HB 205 would mandate that the state board, the department, each Local election board and all offices of the general registrar shall not solicit, accept, use, or dispose of any money, grants, property, or services given by a private individual or non-governmental entity for the purpose of funding voter education or outreach programs, voter registration programs, or any other expense incurred in the conduct of elections. The operation of polling places or satellite offices and facilities supplied by private individuals or non-governmental entities were exempt. Uh, Delegate Otto Watchman, who introduced the measure, told the Federalists, while non-governmental groups are allowed to conduct events like voter registration drives outside of our governmental agencies, this bill clarifies they have no business directly influencing the way that our registrars and electoral boards conduct their business, that's the role of our governmental agencies. I'm pleased the General Assembly has agreed with this concept. Now, um, he cited a press release from U.S. Representative Claudia Tenney from New York, which details how Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook, Meta CEO, gave $350 million to the Center for Tech and Civil Life, which is a left-wing advocacy group. They, in turn, spent millions in financing the infiltration of election offices 
at the city and county level by left-wing activists and using those offices as a platform to implement preferred administrative policies, voting methods, data sharing, as well as launch intensive outreach campaigns in areas with heavy Democratic voters leading up to the 2020 election. Case in point, uh, the group spent nearly $4 million of Mark Zuckerberg's money in Virginia during the 2020 election cycle. Over 90% of that money was given to the 14 Biden won counties. Less than 10% of the money was going toward the 22 Trump won counties. So the Biden won counties received $3.5 million. The Trump won counties received less than $400,000. Yeah, a little bias there, you think? I mean, it absolutely had no business. And yet, uh, the last election, we're told, was nothing wrong with it. It was fair. It was exemplary. Uh, Good for Virginia. I mean, I hope more states do that. I mean, I think North Carolina would uh, do something like that. But unfortunately, we've got a governor that would quickly uh, veto it. Number of media outlets are reporting on Jesse Smollett or Juicy Smollett, depending on how you like to pronounce it. Um, he uh, was sentenced yesterday. <laughs> Rather bizarre. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure Kamala's upset about that because Kamala, <laughs> Kamala got right in the middle of the fray. Remember when uh, Juicy was being uh, in the midst of all this and being accused. People like Don Lemon and Kamala Harris immediately came to his defense. Oh, he has to be correct. When the rest of the world's saying, come on, this does not make any sense at all. This just does not pass the smell test. They were bending over backwards. He got sentenced yesterday. Here is Judge James Lynn giving the sentence. I'm fashioning the following sentence, and here's your sentence. I'm sentencing you to 30 months felony probation, and the probation is going to be to this court. You're going to be allowed to travel wherever you want. You do not have to live in the state of Illinois. You can report by phone. I know that uh, if you're going to try to make a living and do some of the things you do, you may have to go to uh, other uh, places, New York and Los Angeles. You can do those things. You will pay restitution to the city of Chicago in the amount of $120,106. You are fined $25,000, which is the maximum fine. And you will spend the first 150 days of your sentence in the Cook County Jail. And that will start today, right here, right now. Mr. Smollett, though the jury found you guilty and I've sentenced you as I have, you have the right to appeal the findings and rulings of the court or ask your sentence to be modified. To do those things, you need to file a notice of appeal in writing within 30 days. You may also file a motion to modify your sentence, which would have to be filed in writing within 30 days. Anything not stated in those filings are waived for purposes of appeal. You cannot afford lawyers or transcripts. They would be provided free of charge. Do you have any questions? No, I would just like to say to Your Honor that I am, uh, I am not suicidal. That's what I was about to say. Okay. I am not suicidal. Okay. I am not suicidal. I am innocent, and I am not suicidal. If I did this, then it means that I stuck my fist in the fears of black Americans in this country for over 400 years and the fears of the LGBTQ community. Your Honor, I respect you and I respect the jury, but I did not do this. And I am not suicidal. And if anything happens to me when I go in there, I did not do it to myself. And you must all know that. 
I respect you, Your Honor. I respect your decision. Jail time. I am not suicidal. Okay. He's not suicidal. He continued to say that as he left the courtroom with his fist clenched in the air. Judge Lynn, I, he made it pretty clear that he was not happy with Smollett. Um, Judge Lynn basically said, your hypocrisy is just outstanding. You did not wake up in the morning thinking you were going to do something bad or wrong. You paid your accomplices in advance by check. You chose a date. You chose a time. You had the props. You even did rehearsals. Judge Lynn continued over every detail of the faked crime. I repeat, said the judge after describing the events, you put the noose around your own neck. You caused great distress throughout the city and the community, and that's why we're here now. I thought the jury's verdict was accurate and correct. What you did because you were selfishly arrogantly, narcissistically bringing attention to yourself, took away resources from real victims. You're not a victim of a hate crime. The damage you have done to yourself is way beyond what could have been done by me or any other judge. You are permanently a convicted felon. You've embarrassed your important friends who are public officials. You've become toxic in your workplace. You've turned yourself into riches, from riches to rags, you are the butt of jokes, the jokes made about you. I can't imagine anything worse than that. This is all self-inflicted. I don't think there's anything funny at all about hoaxing and faking racial hate crimes. I think that is disgraceful. Your performance on the witness stand can only be described as pure perjury. I find all those to be ample factors. Then he read the sentence. And listen, the reason why— and. and uh, 150 days in jail and basically $150,000 in fines. And, and, and that's not really fines. That's just payback. Most of that is just payback for the expenses he cost the Chicago Police Department. But the reason why Smollett kept lying through the whole thing is because he knows that these hate crime hoaxes barely get punished. And they, they're occurring all the time. I mean, now when you hear about a hate crime taking place, I mean, they happen all the time on college campuses where these, these woke narcissists think, I'm, I'm going to you know, bring attention to myself and, all, and I will be the hero because I look like the victim and people will feel bad. When you hear those kind of stories coming out, a, a thinking person's first impression is, oh, they're lying. <laughs> They're making this up, and it's gotten routine. Um, the The lefties that are propagating these false narratives they they think, hey, I, I'm pretty safe. It's a it's a hate crime, and so therefore, uh, if I'm a minority, especially, I can get away with it, and it seems to be working. Hey, we got to take another time out. Stay with us. A little Ukraine update when we get back. Back 
to the show that really makes you think. He is a genius. He's all powerful. He brought a kind of heat. He could be the best. Just don't hurt yourself, okay? More news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Uh, so President Biden earlier today uh, came before the American people and gave a little bit of a rah-rah session, patted himself on the back. Uh, he also said that the West is going to jointly announce several new steps to squeeze Putin to hold him even more accountable for his aggression against Ukraine. We are also taking a further step of abandoning imports and goods from several signature sectors of the Russian economy, including seafood, vodka, and diamonds. Biden said the G7 will seek to deny Russia the ability to borrow from lending multinational institutions as the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank. And uh, the president also said that uh, Putin will not win. He will not prevail. We will see. Uh, I will not take his word as much as I would take the word of uh, President Zelensky. And uh, he has said that uh, earlier today that Putin's uh, basically what Putin is saying is a bluff, that Putin is talking about ratcheting up, you know, having a nuclear war. And uh, Zelensky says, I don't, I don't think so. And uh, he is really downplaying everything that uh, Putin is saying. Zelensky is downplaying it. Uh, every use of nuclear weapons means the end for all sides, Putin, or, or Zelensky said. In other words, if you want to use uh, nuclear weapons, you're going to blow yourself up, and <laughs> it's not going to be good for your people. NATO Secretary General Stolenberg also blasted Putin's high alert order as a part of the Russian leader's dangerous rhetoric. Putin has drawn condemnation from leaders throughout the world. Uh, yeah, I've been saying that for some time. I, you know, it's and one of the things you got to ask yourself too. I, I don't want to test it. Uh, hear me. I mean, I understand that. Let's err on the side of caution. But his military is in such disarray. They're saying the tanks are rusty. The equipment, the, the tires are blowing out because they're dry rotted. The tanks are coming off their tracks. And the, 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 the kids that are drafted into his army don't know what they're doing. They've had three, I said three or four major generals now in the Russian army have been picked off and killed. The Ukrainians, uh, again, I, I, I put it up to divine intervention. It's, it's incredible to see uh, what they have done. Hey, we've got to take another time out. We come back. An interesting story about uh, three well-endowed Democrat donors who are now under investigation for an uh, investment that looks like it's too good to be true. In fact, it was. We'll talk about that when we get back. Ride and shotgun with your 5 o'clock drive. Well, the drive home should be a delight. This is Tom Lamprecht with more news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. So do you ever wonder why seemingly intelligent people will align themselves with the Democratic Party that seems to be basically off in left field? Uh, well, this might give you some inside information. The Free Beacon is reporting federal authorities are now investigating three Democratic mega donors who made an enormous bet on shares of Activision Blizzard just days before Microsoft agreed in January to acquire the video gaming company for $69 billion. The U.S. Justice Department and Securities Exchange Commission are both looking into 
interestingly timed, suspiciously timed trading activity of Barry Diller, owner of the Daily Beast. He used to be at Coke and he used to be at uh, CBS, I think. Uh, his stepson, Alex von uh, Furstenberg, and a friend of Diller's by the name of David Giffen. All three big donors, especially, especially Barry Dillard. I mean, he's given millions of dollars to the Democratic Party. Suspicious is perhaps too generous of a word to describe the three men's decision to buy $108 million worth of Activision stock options on January the 14th. The transaction privately arranged through J.P. Morgan Chase allowed uh, J.P. Morgan Chase allowed the wealthy Democrats to buy more than four million shares of Activision at the bargain price of forty dollars per share. Four days later, Activision announced the Microsoft would pay ninety-five dollars a share to acquire the company. Huh? <laughs> not bad. Not a bad investment. Doubling your money overnight, literally. Um, Diller, who had donated two point four million to Democrat candidates and committees since twenty sixteen, just happened to be a longtime friend of Activision CEO Bobby Kotick. The wealthy Democrat stock options instantly surged in value by more than 60%. Coincidence? Hmm. Giffen, like Diller, one of the most prolific Democrat donors in the country, in addition to the $500,000 he gave the Lincoln Project, he has donated $1.7 million to Democratic candidates and committees since 2016. You know, sadly, there's probably not going to happen to anything to these guys. Um, they'll, they'll look at it and, uh, oh, that's inappropriate. And, you know, you get a little fine or something, but it's even more sad is where did they get the information from and why were they given this information? Uh, again, another example of how you see what's going on and you're saying, wait a minute, this is not a fair playing field. What is going on? Um, anyway. It's, uh, it's sad but true and uh, happens more than you'd like to think. The mayor of Boise, Idaho, is claiming that the state's bill banning gender reassignment surgery for minors endangers kids. So three cheers to Idaho. House Bill 675 makes it a felony for anyone who knowingly engages in any of the following practices upon a child that uh, would mutilate the reproductive organs of that child for the purpose of attempting to change or affirm the child's perception of the child's sex if that perception is inconsistent with the child's biological sex. Boise Mayor Lauren McLean, a Democrat, and there's a surprise, said that she is, quote, committed to ensuring that every kid in Boise has a chance to grow up safe. <laughs> uh, yeah. Here's the thing. House Bill 675 actually allows children to grow up safe. I, I, I'm sorry, at what point does a child need to have his genitalia altered or removed because of some... And I understand that uh, transgenderism is something that, you know, 99% of the time just disappears with time. But you want to go in and mutilate the kid? And then you're, you're doing this in the name of safety for the child? Wow. Hard to believe. Uh, related to that, a children's hospital in Houston, Texas, has stopped providing therapy and surgery to children after Greg Abbott 
ordered directing the state to open up a child abuse investigations into the parents of minors receiving gender-affirming health care. Thank you. Thank you. As I said at the beginning of this program, thank you for the fact that we are starting to see some common-sense politicians come to the front of the line and begin to say, no, what you are saying is good and healthy. The rest of us know is, is dangerous. It's child abuse, and we're not going to put up with it. So there's some hope. I'm just telling you, there's some hope. Keep praying for America. Pray for the people in Ukraine. Have a great weekend. Uh, it's going to be a cool one. We'll see you on Monday. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right.